Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports. On 95.7, the game. Come on. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7, the game. Leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10, of course. You can always hit up the text line at 888-957-9570 or... Give me a call if you'd like, but I also understand that if it's 5 in the morning and you don't feel like talking on the phone, that's okay, too. Just listen to the words that I have to say. Uh, but do want to talk about the Giants and their win last night as they move on to 81-44 and 44 on the season. They continue to stay two and a half games up in the Dodgers because the Dodgers beat the Padres last night, which was uh, also headlined by an A.J. Pollock-robbed home run, uh, which could have changed the outcome of the game. But, however... 5-2 Five to two was the final for the Dodgers, and they get the win over the Padres. So nothing changes within the top of the standings, except for the fact that the Padres just continue to fall within the National League West. But the Giants getting that win last night, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know with the addition of Francisco Lindor coming back from injury it feels like uh, he's had such an up and down season um i mean really it's a majority of it's been down actually but uh, for the amount of money that he got paid but if you have Francisco Lindor and Javier Baez up the middle it's a scary it's a scary combination now i didn't know what to expect going into this game and before we get to anything that happened with the lineup uh, I gotta give credit to Sammy Long. Didn't know what to, what to expect from him. Haven't seen Sammy Long in a while, but he pitched five strong innings. Went out there. Uh, he ended up coming out in the sixth, but struck out four and uh, gave up only three hits in the game. And look, Sammy Long. I thought he looked good last night or yesterday, whatever you want to call it. The game was at 4 o'clock. Give me a break. But Sammy Long, I thought, looked pretty good. And the relievers were able to keep them in the ball game. Jay Jackson was able to get them out of the inning uh, in that sixth. And then Jose Alvarez was in in the seventh. And Tyler Chatwood was in for the last couple of innings. And, you know, Tyler Chatwood, I know we're always talking about these additions that Farhan has made, these under-the-radar finds. But, uh... Tyler Chatwood, he was a guy who was uh, within the minor leagues, and the Giants signed him to a uh, signed him to a deal, claimed him off waivers, and then they called him up to the big club. Uh, Tyler Chatwood has not looked good, and uh, yesterday in that game, toward the end, uh, in that ninth inning, I know it was an eight nothing game, but it was a little too hairy for my liking in that situation. Tyler Chatwood doesn't look all that confident on the mound, and right now he's got a five point six three ERA. It's the first time that he hasn't given up a run so far uh, as a Giants reliever. But other than that, I thought the pitching was great yesterday, but 
it was the offense that came alive in this game, and it all started off with Brandon Belt. Belt hits that one to center field. Nimmo all the way back, and he's going to watch it. It is gone off the apple. 18th of the year for Brandon Belt. I don't think they're going to bring that apple up out of its little holster for a Giants home run, but that one 431 feet. It's one nothing Giants. And we'll continue uh, We'll continue to, to, to talk about Brandon Belt because he had a revelation for us at the end of the game, which I do want to get to because Brandon Belt had his best offensive game of the season so far, and then he had the big out in the ninth inning, saving Tyler Chatwood there when the bases were juiced and a hard ground ball was hit toward the right side, and Brandon Belt made the final out, but we'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But it just didn't stop. The the home runs for this team didn't stop. Mike Yastrzemski kept it going. Fastball, that one was hit well to right center field. Mike Yastrzemski can watch it. It's gone. And by plenty, a two-run homer, his 20th of the year, 3 nothing Giants, 4-51. Brandon Belt first off crushed it to center in the top of the first, hitting it off of the apple, going 431 feet. Then Yaz just cracks it to right center, and it, it every any time Yaz hits one of those pitches, normally it's low and inside, or it's in the inside or on the inside corner, and he's turned on it and moved his hips enough, moved his hips quick enough to turn on it and and, and hit it to right field. But this one, it felt like it was a little lower in the zone, and somehow he was able to turn on it. It, but it was a very uh, impressive at-bat by Mike Gostremski. But then, in the top of the fourth inning, when there were two outs, it feels like this has been a common theme with the Giants, and I'm trying to find the splits overall as a team for what they've done with two strike counts as well as two outs in the inning. Because... Lamont Wade was at an 0-2 count. He was completely behind. Felt like they weren't going to get out of the inning. And then Lamont Wade with a runner on base. 0-2 count. Two outs does this. Deep center. Nimmo going back. Still going back. Adios! Pelota! I thought. Oh, yeah. That's gone. That, it is five to nothing, Giants. <laughs> he kept on, he kept on running even though he thought it was a double. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't see it bounce off the uh, back of the center field wall. I don't know what happened, but uh, he thought it was a he, he thought he was going for a triple or something. And then found out eventually uh, that it was a home run, and that's what you heard with Dame Fleming's voice. But the importance of getting these hits with two outs, extending an inning, giving your team another chance to just pile on in this game. How many times has that happened with the Giants this year? It happened right off the right I was going to say right off the bat. I didn't want to have any pun intended there just cuz we're talking baseball, but as soon as Chris Bryant got into town, he hits uh, he gets a hit with two outs and he extends an inning and they continue to get a couple of more runs. And I think that's been another recipe for the success that the Giants have had this year. Again, you know, Steiny Guru and Dibs were talking about this yesterday. They were talking about how much credit goes to Gabe Kapler for the Giants' success. And, you know, you'll want to say 100% of the credit goes to him because it all starts with the top, all starts with, all starts with him, it all starts with Farhan, 50 goes to Kapler, 50 goes to Farhan. But also, we need to pay attention to what happens on the field as well instead of just looking at singular guys. But it's it's not just one player who does this. It's not just Lamont Wade, Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Chris Bryant, anybody on this team, Mike Yastrzemski, Donovan Solano, any of these guys can get hits with two outs and extend an inning. And that's something uh, that I think has been overlooked this season, among many other things that's contributed to their 81 wins so far. It's getting those two-out hits. I mean, and when your back's against the wall, when you got an 0-2 count, and he does that, and then Brandon Belt follows it up in the top of the fourth, as soon as he comes up to bat. Belt, deep left, and that ball is gone. An opposite field home run from Brandon Belt. Is the ball flying here or what? 
and he kept it going. 6-0 was the game at the top of the fourth, and then the Giants would tack on a couple of more runs, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, the pitching would give it done, uh, get it done and not give up any runs uh, to this Mets lineup, which, you know, looking back, it's, it's... Last week, the last time that they played the Mets a couple of weeks ago, you know, I'm looking at that lineup. I'm just thinking, man, on paper with the players that they got, it feels like that lineup should be better than it is this season. Like, I, <laughs> he probably shouldn't have spoke out on it, but the owner Steve Cohen, the new owner, how he said nobody in the lineup can get it done, and he's tweeting out about how they can't get hits. I kind of understand where Steve Cohen's coming from. I understand it because the way that these Giants pitchers are being rolled out there, it's not like they're throwing out their top-line starters. It's not like they're throwing out all these dudes that they're going to be using in the playoffs. I don't know if I'm ever going to see Sammy Long and Jay Jackson or Tyler Chatwood. I would think that I'd see Jose Alvarez in the playoffs at some point because he's been a vital part to that bullpen. But they were going with the bottom pitchers, and the Mets still weren't able uh, to get that many hits off of them. They only totaled five hits in this game overall. Uh, But the Giants would tack on uh, a couple of more runs, and um, in the end, look... The way that they were playing yesterday, it was just a dominant victory overall. But Brandon Belt, I want to talk about Brandon Belt for a second because that home run that he hit was to the opposite field. How often have we seen Brandon Belt hit an opposite field home run? (laughs) When does it happen? Like once a season, if that? Once a season, maybe? And he hasn't been hitting that great in the month of August, but so far he has eight home runs this month. It was his seventh career multi-home run game. He had a multi-home run game against the uh, the Brewers on the seventh, and it's his career high in home runs now with 19 on the year. His career high for a season in home runs with 19 on the year. And, you know, he went 4 for 5 overall in this game. He had the three RBIs, and right now his average is at 247 with a 911 OPS. And a 911 OPS is when you combine the on base percentage and the slugging percentage. So, despite the average, he's been hitting with a lot of power, and that's pretty common uh, with the power hitters in today's game. They're not going to hit. 280 and give you a 900 OPS. Most hitters nowadays, Brandon Belt living up to that expectation, 247 with a 911 OPS. But Brandon Belt, after the game, was getting interviewed on the NBC Sports Bay Area post game. And, you know, they were asking about his swing, asking about his four for five night, because really, this was the best hitting day of the season for him, in my opinion. And Brandon Belt, at the very end of the interview, had this to say about uh, what he was playing with. You know, I'm a pretty private person, but I just want to dedicate this game to my grandmother, who passed away this morning. Um, you know, I'm not looking for anybody to feel sorry for me. I just wanted to dedicate this, dedicate this game and the rest of the season to her. And let everybody know that I love her so very much. And this sort of stuff, you know, we've we've seen before where a family member passes away or a teammate passes away. And and there's there's something about it with baseball. I don't know what it is, but I always go back to the time when Jose Fernandez uh, with the Miami Marlins, when he passed away a few years ago, and then D. Gordon, who never hits home runs. just He's not a home run hitter. He's a total contact hitter. Ends up hitting one for him. And there's a bunch of other stuff that went into it. And in these types of days where, you know, you're playing with some motivation and people don't even know about it. Because as Brandon Belt said, he's a pretty private person. But just having that in the back of your mind, knowing that a family member had passed away, I, I can't imagine that as a professional player. But seeing that yesterday, seeing him go four for five, have that multi-home run game, set his career high in home runs for a season at 19. And not only that, but doing it on an opposite field home run, which he never does, and then making that final out at first, showing flashes of why he's a good defensive first baseman at the end of the game to close things out and complete uh, the shutout of the Mets overall as a team, 
I mean, it was just it, it was just a special moment, and it's just you know when he when he revealed that, I was just like, wow. I, I I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And, you know, seeing his stats yesterday, seeing him go four for five, how often do we see that? Not very. Not very often. And we'll get to Gabe Kapler's comments coming up next. i got to hit the break. But uh, just a special moment uh, for Brandon Belt when him and his family and uh, and the friends are, are were going through a tough, di- a tough time yesterday. So, um, you know, when I heard that, I was just I was just taken aback. I was just like, wow. You know, I had no idea what he was going to say there. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to continue to weigh in. I'll get to what Gabe Kapler had to say on the other side because he had some thoughts on what gave these Giants success in this game. And I think that this is something that has permeated throughout the season as well. Uh, we'll get to that next. 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number. Stephen Lightford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. We are talking some Giants baseball right now. We'll get to some football on the other side because the Kyle Shanahan conference call. Uh, Cam Inman spoke about it on Damon Ratto and Kolsky yesterday, so we'll get his thoughts on that uh, overall. But from the 574, as a Dodger fan, I'm getting extremely frustrated that we could be a 100 win wild card team. Your Giants just won't lose. And yesterday's game, I mean, your Dodgers just won't lose either. How about that? Instead of your Giants being the team that doesn't lose, how about your Dodgers won't stop losing? How about that one? But I do think that last night, if you're going to choose any game from this series, from the Giants versus the Mets, and you're looking at this three-game set, you're looking at who's pitching. You got Johnny Cueto going up against Taiwan Walker tonight, and then uh, tomorrow you're going to have Alex Wood going up against Carlos Carrasco. So if you had to choose any of these games, I mean, with the way that Johnny Cueto's been pitching, he's inconsistent. You never know what's up with him. But you'd think in this series and seeing who the starting pitchers are and now that uh, Kevin Gosman got uh, put on the 10-day list, the reserve COVID list uh, because of a close contact, I'd be thinking maybe one and one and two, Two and one in this series, just seeing the fact that Francisco Lador is back. But in this game, they absolutely dominated. And Gabe Kapler spoke about what was the secret to the sauce in getting this win last night. It was huge for for our club. You know, obviously we've been going through our bullpen quite a bit recently in that Oakland series. Uh, a lot of guys pitched. They, they took down a lot of innings for us. And so to have Sammy give us that length, to have our offense give give us that boost. And I think I talked a little bit before the game about sometimes you save your starting pitcher, you save your starting pitching, or you save your bullpen with quality offense early in the game. The way you save your starting pitching is it provides a big boost of confidence for the starting pitcher to not have to be so fine and so perfect. Sam Long's case, that was big because he was able to attack the strike zone and not to be too concerned if, if somebody lined a single off of him. And then from a bullpen perspective, we were able to get two innings from from Chatty, uh, which were big, and didn't have to overdo it with, with Jose Alvarez, and, and he's going to be available for one-plus for us tomorrow. So, yeah, that, that cushion was, was pretty big for us to start a long road trip and a long string of games. And, and excuse me for Kevin Gosman, he ended up getting the vaccine booster shot and was following some side effects there. So that is why he was placed on the COVID-19 injured list. Just want to be accurate uh, with that sort of information. But getting those home runs early and... I want to play this one again for you as we'll get back to Brandon Belt. But, you know, we had the early home runs from Belt in the top of the first, and then we had the one uh, from Yastrzemski in the second. But then Lamont Wade hits one in the fourth. And let me just play this home run for you because I have this crazy stat that I just stumbled upon with Lamont Wade. Deep center, Nimmo going back, still going back. Adios! Belt! I thought... 
Oh yeah, that's gone. That it is five to nothing, Giants. So with Lamont Wade, he did that with an 0-2 count, with two outs, and with a runner on. Now in a in situations in baseball, when it comes to batting splits, they separate them into three distinct categories. Low leverage, medium leverage, and high leverage situations. Low leverage is when there are no runners on, and uh, there's there's nothing really, you're not coming from behind, It's uh, there's no two outs, It's there, there's, there's no pressure at all really uh, to get a base hit. It's just up to you to get things started. In a medium leverage situation, that's maybe when you have a runner on, but when you get to the point where it's two outs and you're at an 0-2 count, um, that's more of the medium leverage type of situation, especially because they were up. But with the runner on and the fact that you're up with two outs, that's a medium leverage situation. Now, in these situations... He's only batting 224, but he's also had five home runs, and one of them being yesterday with the two outs. But in high leverage situations, when it matters, like the game on Saturday when Lamont Wade hit that home run in the top of the ninth against the A's, in high leverage situations, this dude is 14 for 24 with three home runs and 19 RBIs in those high leverage situations. 19 RBIs in those high leverage situations. And that's what we call clutch. That's just the definition of clutch. And the fact that he did that last night with with two outs, I mean, look, if he doesn't do that... To three nothing ball game, the Mets have a totally different mindset when they're coming to the plate. I mean, going back into your dugout and you're down five nothing, you know you're in a steeper hole that you got to climb out of going into the dugout, and you know there's less of a chance to win. Going in there with a two run difference is huge, but then you follow it up with the fact that Brandon Belt hits a home run and they go back to back right away. Belt deep left and. Ball is gone. An opposite field home run from Brandon Belt. Is the ball flying here or what? It's those early home run situations, and like Gabe Kapler was talking about, it gives your bullpen a break. You don't have to bring in a Tyler Rogers. You don't have to bring in a Jake McGee. Like, imagine if it was a 3 nothing ball game. Say Brandon Belt doesn't get a chance to hit in that situation, although with the way that he was hitting last night, uh, he probably would have gotten a hit to open up the fifth inning when, he, when they went back in in the top of the fifth, but I do think that there was a chance that they could have used up some of their bullpen in this game, but the lineup was just saving them uh, throughout. Then Brandon Crawford would follow up with the RBI. I mean, overall, they were just overpowering the Mets yesterday. But Brandon Belt and We heard the announcement. I'll play it again for you because he did the interview with NBC Sports Bay Area. And, you know, he was asked about how about his game, the fact that it was his seventh career multi home run game uh, ever, the fact that he surpassed his career high in a single season with home runs with 19. But here's what Brandon Belt had to say at the very end of the interview. You know, I'm a pretty private person, but I just want to dedicate this game to my grandmother who passed away this morning. Um, you know, I'm not looking for anybody to feel sorry for me. I just wanted to dedicate this dedicate this game and the rest of the season to her and let everybody know that I love her so very much. And then Gabe Kapler afterwards spoke about Brandon Belt's home runs and just his mindset during the game. He just looked locked in, and um, and I think that's sort of amazing given what he's experienced today. I thought his swings looked great. That whistled through the zone in the first at bat, and it, and it kept flying through the zone in each subsequent one and uh, played good defense for us like he always does and was a great teammate after the game and celebrated with his his teammates and it shows you know kind of how aware he is and how he's able to separate professionally and uh, yeah I mean he kind of did everything everything exactly like you'd, you'd hope he'd do it but honestly like there's no there's no playbook when when somebody dies. 
And, and, and right now, with the home run total for the Giants, they're up 191 to the Toronto Blue Jays, who have 187 on the year. Then the next team up are the Atlanta Braves. They have 182. So they're four, runs, four home runs separated from the second team and nine home runs separated from the third team. But... Uh, Brandon Belt yesterday, the fact that he was playing with that in the back of his mind, knowing, um, you know, that he had to go out there and he had to play a baseball game. And, you know, he doesn't even have to. He didn't have to do it. Uh, but in the end, he decided to play anyway. And, you know, I'm not sure how expected it was. I don't know if it was unexpected. But, um, you know, when you see that, when you when you hear that sort of stuff, it's just, you know, it's so sad, but also at the same time, it's just like Gabe Kapler said, it's amazing that he had his best hitting night of the season so far, going four for five, and, and just with that lingering, and you know, it's uh, it, it's really tough, but you know, sports, it's, sometimes it can be an escape for these guys, and it's an escape for a lot of us as fans, you know, we we, we try and, walk, like, I mean, think about it during the pandemic, when we were without sports for however long that was. It, like, we didn't understand, I think, the true value of sports and what it does just for us as a distraction for stuff that's going on uh, within the world, and then these athletes, you know, stuff happens with their families, and you know, sometimes these athletes, I mean, I couldn't imagine how Brandon Belt's family was feeling once they saw him hit the way that he did in this game. You know, it's it, it, I'm sure it lifted their spirits when they're just going through this incredibly tough time overall as a family. And just seeing that yesterday, knowing that he went four for five and, and, and not understanding that what he was going through, not even knowing that this happened earlier on in the day because nobody reported about it. It wasn't posted all over social media. There wasn't some sort of graphic made with, you know, from Bleacher Report or anything, nothing like that. It was a very private matter for the Belt family, and he came through and, you know, he dedicated that, and not only that, but the rest of the season uh, along to his grandma. And now, just overall in the month of August, I mean, the man has eight home runs. Now, his his average hasn't really been there, but it feels like a majority of those home runs have been important for the team and have given them the insurance that they've needed. It's no longer just these home runs that happen in the fifth inning when the Giants are already down by six. It's no longer like that. It's on the other way. It's the other way around now where the Giants are the team that's up uh, on the other team. So quite uh, quite an amazing thing that we uh, that we witnessed yesterday. All right. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. So I did not hear this sound yesterday because uh, just to give you a little behind the scenes, we were going through a little update and some of the sound uh, that we had pulled from the day previous had been lost. So I hadn't heard this before. I'd only read the transcript of what went through with the Kyle Shanahan conference call, but I do want to get to the slip up, whether I thought it was a slip up and then Cam Inman was on with DRK and he was asked about the slip up from Kyle Shanahan. We'll get to all that next. Stephen Langford on the Pre-game show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Stephen Langford in with you. 95.7 The Game. Thank you so much for listening so early in the morning at 5.37, because by the time uh, that this audio gets out to you listening into your car, it's going to be 5.37. But good morning to all of you, and just thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show, for listening to the station. I know if you're up this early in the morning and you got it tuned in to 95.7, not only are you a big listener of the station, but whatever job you're doing this early in the morning, if you're awake at these 
ungodly hours, then you are doing something important. Or if you're on your way home, then you're on your way home from from doing something important. But uh, if you're working the graveyard shift, doing whatever job you got to do, thank you so much uh, for taking some of your time and uh, making this show and this station overall a part of your morning. Before we get to the Kyle Shanahan slip-up, I do want to just give you a little update uh, on some breaking news. Now, the L.A. Rams, we know that earlier on in the preseason and during training camp, their young running back who had a fantastic year last year out of uh, Florida State, but uh, he tore his Achilles, and it doesn't look like he's going to be back uh, for the season. And that just really sucked knowing the upside that Cam Akers had uh, as their starting running back. They were using a platoon last year for the most part, but Cam Akers, he was going to be that dude. And now they have made a move to try and make up for it. From Ian Rappaport on Twitter, the Patriots are trading running back Sony Michelle to the Rams for two draft picks, sources say. A long-anticipated trade that fills a big need in L.A. Then he updated it, and this is where it's going to get incredibly complicated. I just gave you a whole thank you about how it's these ungodly hours at 538 in the morning, but you're not going to like with these numbers that I give you. Here, here I'm going to read it to you verbatim. Compensation update, colon. It, apostrophe S, it's, all right, I'm not going to do it completely verbatim. It's a fifth rounder and sixth rounder this year that converts to a fourth rounder when and if the Rams get a fourth round comp pick. Complicated, but essentially Sony Michelle for a fourth round pick. Solid value. I I know you got to be detailed with it. I know you got to get everything out of Ian Rappaport, but you can just quote tweet that and just say, look, Sony Michelle for a fourth round pick. All right. That, that, that's what they're going to get. <laughs> like, it's just so confusing, all of this sort of stuff. Uh, but, oh, from the 408, on your way home from stripping. Woof. Interesting. Important job. Very important job. Uh, but with Ian Rappaport, he reported that earlier this morning. And with me, my instant reaction was this is a move that uh, needed to be made for the L.A. Rams. But as far as uh, I'm concerned with the division, it's, it's you know, look. I think Matthew Stafford can be very good with the Rams. I think, you know, a, a, lot, a, a lot of people are down on Matthew Stafford. He's one of the more, I'd say, polarizing quarterbacks in football because you go back and forth. You say, uh, you, you get the one side who are all about how Matt Stafford is underrated. He just wasn't given many wide receivers. Then the other side to that argument is, well, he was given Calvin Johnson. Why couldn't he do anything with that? Then the other side to that argument is, well, he did stuff with Calvin Johnson. He was the quarterback when Calvin Johnson was was part of. He was part of Calvin Johnson's Hall of Fame career in the short stint that he had with the Lions. They just didn't have a defense. Then on the other side, it's like, oh, my Matt Stafford sucks. And then the other side. Matt Stafford's good, and then it just turns into two dogs barking at each other, barking at each other about nothing. <laughs> like that's how the Matt Stafford conversation goes every single time. Trust me, the next time you hear it, that's exactly how it's going to go. Uh, and I think he'd be pretty good with the Rams. I, I, you know, new quarterbacks with new coaches, for example, Jameis Winston. I think he could be very good uh, with Sean Payton over there in New Orleans. I really do. And if he cleans up the turnovers. He can put up numbers. He can throw touchdowns. He can throw for yards. And if he limits the turnovers, limits the interceptions, I think he could turn into a pretty good quarterback. Matt Stafford, there hasn't been any stability with the Lions head coaching staff at all for the past 10 years. I mean, there's been so much that's been going on since Matt Stafford entered the league. I think that with a new look team, with Sean McVay, you got some weapons around him, and you got a good defense that can get the offense back on the field. Uh, You know, there's a reason that Matt Stafford is one of the leaders in fourth quarter comebacks because his team is always down in the fourth quarter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because the defense isn't very good. But this move that they made for Sony Michelle, it's not really going to change my stance too much on the Rams. Uh, you, you know, maybe with the new look team, uh, a team that really hasn't been conducive to running backs and their success. I mean, you know, it's it's been a while that they've had one of those, you know, just straight. 
three down. Like, I'm going to line up under center. Tom Brady's going to line up under center. We're going to go in the I formation, and we're going to run power through you. It hasn't really been like that, and they were hoping Sony Michelle could be that guy, but he'd had some fumbling issues. He wasn't getting many yards per carry. Um, as soon as he would get hit, then he would go down. He There there, there really weren't many yards after contact with Sony Michelle. This was just a necessary move that I thought the Rams uh, had to make. All right. And speaking of another team in the NFC West, as I try and transition here, but I'm going to give you a little insight to me as a person. Now, look, they call me nice guy Steven on the station, right? And everyone just thinks, well, it's just because he's a nice guy. And it's for different reasons. And anytime I tell my friends or family and or they, they say, why do they call you nice guy? Like, why? <laughs> and you're, you're not. <laughs> that's that. That's what that. That's what. Uh, that's what they will say every single time. You're not, especially my family members. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I'm hella nice, super nice. They're like, no, you're stubborn. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's kind of true. <laughs> that is kind of true. And I am stubborn when it comes to things that are not that serious. I try to keep an open mind for the most part. But look, to me. Sports aren't that serious, and I'm a stubborn guy uh, when it comes to professional sports, and I am completely stubborn in that Kyle Shanahan slipped up during this conference call yesterday. If you haven't heard the audio, this is what Kyle Shanahan said. I'm sure you have already heard the audio since it's probably been played a billion times within the past 24 hours, but this is what happens with the 5 a.m. show. I mean, I know we got the final word from 7 to 10, but really, since all the news breaks after 6 a.m., after my show's over, then really, I almost have the final word going back circling around in the morning. I also have the newer word, too, because I'm the first one to talk about the Giants game afterward, but you know it, it's a complicated situation. But with this Shanahan thing, with Lansing Garoppolo, I'm okay to admit that I am unbelievably stubborn in this situation. Listen to this answer when he was asked if he was grading Trey Lance on a curve knowing that he's not going out there with the ones. It depends what you mean by grading him. I'm just trying to get him better and get him ready for the... Um, so we try to work on the things to get better at put in a game plan for any quarterback and when you do that in the regular season you hope to execute that game plan yes yeah, so okay it doesn't sound like much if you hear it once but let me just play you the beginning again now the transcript says getting him ready for the season but i really think in this situation He's been talking about the quarterback so much, and he keeps things so close to the vest, and it turns out that the Mac Jones stuff that we got, everything that we heard at the podium, it was all just, it it was all false. It, It was all to fool everybody. It was a fallacy. And Kyle Shanahan, listen again when he was asked if he grades Trey Lance on a curve. It depends what you mean by grading him. I'm just trying to get him better and get him ready for the, um, so we try to work on the things to get better at. So, look... I heard that, and I'm just thinking he's been talking so much about the quarterbacks. And really, I, I I do think it speaks volumes in that he hasn't officially said that they have gone with Jimmy Garoppolo as their Week One starter. I understand that everyone is saying, "Oh, they don't want they don't want the opposition to know what the game plan for." But here's what I'm thinking: in my opinion, the opposition is already game planning for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, that's it. So if you're just keep like, that is their mindset, in my opinion. You know, it, it, I don't think it's a, at this point, I don't think the Lions are even thinking that Trey Lance is going to start. I think they have a mindset that it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo, but also knowing how that coaching staff is and knowing that they got bite a kneecap off, bite a kneecap off and, you know, cut a guy on his 40th birthday, Dan Campbell, knowing that they got him as the head coach. Maybe it's not that way. But in my opinion, if I'm the opposition, I'm game planning for Jimmy Garoppolo already. So, you know, in my opinion, I don't think there's a disadvantage to Kyle Shanahan announcing the week one starter like he said yesterday in that conference call. Two quarterbacks that we can, I think we have three. I think we have two quarterbacks that we can. I think we have three quarterbacks. We, when you being ready to start, it's about getting a guy a game plan that gives you a chance to win. And I think all our guys are capable of that. So, but he wanted me to make a big announcement last night, but much advantage in us making an announcement. So, 
there or any position. So that's kind of the reason why we do that. I don't think there's much of a disadvantage either. The 49ers, they don't hide much. You know what you're going to get. A majority of these guys on offense, hell, all of these guys on offense are practically the same. All of their skill position players, except for the offensive line. But they still have Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle, Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and then you know a third wide receiver who's not going to change your game plan one way or another. And then you're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo understand, under, under center. The defense knows what they're going to get with that starting 11 out there. They know what they're going to get with that offense. But with Trey Lance, they don't know. They could completely change up the game plan. More quarterback design runs. More play-action boots. Different little things, little nuances to the game that Kyle Shanahan can change. And when he's not announcing the Week 1 starter... It, to me, that is, you know, keeping it keeping it in the dark. But overall, I think the I think the Lions' mindset is Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback, uh, and that's going to be what we're going to game plan for. And I think that he understands that, and so he's just keeping it from them and waiting until possibly after the Raiders game, if Trey Lance does show out, that they'd go uh, in Week One. But um, Cam Inman, he was on with DRK yesterday. And he tried to clear things up uh, when it comes to Kyle Shanahan. I think it's time to stop listening and overanalyzing what Kyle Shanahan says because he's not going to bluff or tell or, or let anything slip because that led us down the Mac Jones trail a couple months ago and nobody knew he was trading for Garoppolo a few years ago. So he keeps his stuff to himself pretty well. Um, you know, and the other thing is, uh, of course he's going to get Trey Lance ready for the season. It's his job as a coach right. to get him ready, whether he's a starter or the backup. Uh, Trey Lance is getting ready for the season, getting ready for his career, and he's not ready yet. I just don't buy that. I don't buy that. Kyle Shanahan does bluff. He says Kyle Shanahan's not going to bluff. We saw it with the Mac Jones thing. That's all he did with Mac Jones was bluff. <laughs> That's all he did. <laughs> like, like Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing. And look, me being a Raider fan, okay, I've... Man, you have no idea what my week's been like, all right? When John Gruden says, or not says, but, you know, it was reported that John Gruden was trying to get Khalil Mack back even before they entered free agency. And the entirety of that season, whenever he was asked about the Khalil Mack trade, lying and lying and lying about it. It's like, you know, just these coaches, man, they don't want to reveal anything. And with the talent that I saw... In that second preseason game and that first preseason game alone, you know, I, I, I look. It's I can't think. I can't think anything else other than I think Trey Lance should start, and you just gotta eventually end things with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that's where I'm at, and you know, we can be on both sides of it. We can be like I'm not gonna judge you if you if you think that Garoppolo should be the starter. I'm not gonna judge you as a person. It's it's okay that we can have opposite opinions. It just so happens that I am on the Trey Lance side of things. But um, I do think, though, what we see in Week 3 against the Raiders, how often we see Jimmy Garoppolo rolled out there, I do think that with what we've seen from the Bears, it might be a little bit of a different situation. But we saw with the Bears that Justin Fields is going to be the starter for Week 3 of the preseason. And that's because Matt Nagy had announced Andy Dalton as a week one starter, and they're having Justin Fields start this game just because they want to sit Andy Dalton for a couple of weeks and get him ready for week one. So, look, if Garoppolo plays in week three of the preseason, and we are treating this as if it's week four. Think back to you know. Think back to 2019 when you had a week four of the preseason. Think back to just how much you really didn't know about the players on the field. Think back to watching week four and you're just like, I've never heard of that guy. I never heard of that guy. Well, they're fringe guys who are trying to make the 53 man roster. You don't put out your starters a week before the season. Now, maybe the fact that you have a bye week, okay, but seeing these injuries, seeing what happened with the Jacksonville Jaguars yesterday, seeing Travis Etienne, who was the rookie running back, 
man, I thought, like, I know we were focusing, we were hyper-focusing on Trevor Lawrence and what he can do with that wide receiver core, but... Those running backs, that one-two punch that they were going to have with the Jags, with James Robinson, who was coming off a 1,000-yard rushing rookie season, and then you got Travis Etienne on top of it, who was one of the top running backs in this class, maybe besides Najee Harris, and you were going to have that as the one-two punch? Like, damn, that's a good plan. But then Travis Etienne ends up getting surgery uh, on his foot, and his season is officially over, which just stinks to hear, but... That just goes to show there's not much of a risk of rolling out your starters. Now, if you put Jimmy Garoppolo in this game, what other reason is there to put him in this game other than to possibly make one final decision? Maybe Kyle Shanahan hasn't made his decision yet. Have we thought about that? Maybe we haven't announced that decision. He just hasn't even made that decision yet. Maybe. He just, he hasn't even, you know, he's, Garoppolo's going to be the starter week one. Yeah, I'll tell the media that. But really, maybe he hasn't made a decision yet. Maybe he hasn't. Uh, But Cam Inman, he continued, and he broke down the depth of the 49ers wide receiver core after Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Here's what Cam Inman had to say on DRK yesterday. Sherfield's really emerged as a, as a reliable receiver instead of just a special teams guy. Uh, Mohamed Sanu, the veteran presence, looks healthy. I like it. Keep him on the roster. Don't play any financial savings by cutting him and bringing him back week two. Keep him on. Uh, Juwan Jennings was uh, made a lot of strides. He didn't play last game because of a heel issue. But he's your bigger body receiver also, so I kind of want to keep him around. And then it gets to the who's the return specialist. I mean, Richie James has not had a good month. He's dropped passes. He hasn't done much on special teams. He had like a 30-yard return the other day, which was good, but it's kind of garbage time of a preseason game. And then Travis Benjamin is kind of a wild card. So I, I do wonder, and, and I think Jawan Jennings is going to be the guy ultimately that ends up as the primary slot receiver. Um, whenever they are going out there uh, with uh, uh, with eleven personnel and they use you know three receivers or whatever, I, I do think that uh, Jawan Jennings is going to be that guy. I mean Trey Lance and just or uh, I was going to call him Justin. Trey Lance and uh, Trent Sherfield have created a nice connection. We've seen it in training camp. We saw it from that first week, but. That is something that I'm going to be preaching. That is my broken record take for the week. I've had two broken record takes so far. One is we're not talking enough about Raheem Mostert and the impact that he has to have on the season regardless of who's starting at quarterback. Not only that, we need to see Raheem Mostert be that same type of running back in 2019. We're so focused on the defense and Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, who's, uh, who, who do we give the credit to for taking them to the Super Bowl? Like, that's the conversation that always stems from this, right? It's Jimmy G. He's the one that led them to the Super Bowl in 2019. No, it was the defense. And, you know, we get into that argument. Kind of like that dog and dog barking at each other, by no, but not coming to a conclusion. Kind of like the whole Matt Stafford argument. But one guy we don't pay attention to enough, and just overall, is that core of running backs. And the way that Raheem Mostert was playing in those playoffs and throughout the season whenever he was uh, whenever he was healthy. You know, guys like Jeff Wilson Jr., who was an automatic touchdown when he was in the red zone. Now, uh, obviously, not going to be there for a little bit because he's on the pup list. But Jeff Wilson Jr., another one of those guys. Raheem Mostert, we're not talking enough about. That's one of my broken record takes. Number two, it's how important it is that Brandon Ayuk this year stays healthy. You, you, you need that guy. Like, having Ayuk as the number one receiver and then Samuel as the number two, both on the outside, I think is a good one-two punch. I don't know how much I compare it uh, to these other guys on the other teams in the NFC West because, really, it's a tough wide receiver group to compare it to. I mean, you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on one team. You got DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk on one. You got uh, uh, you got Cooper Cup and Robert Woods on the other. Like That's a hard wide receiver group to stack up against, but I think Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel can be a nice one too, but after that, you know, you don't really have much. 
And, you know, the depth needs to be there. We've seen what happens over there in Green Bay, and they were barely able to make up for it just because they had one of the greatest quarterbacks that we've seen in the past two decades, that we've seen in the history of the NFL in Aaron Rodgers. Now, you don't exactly have that right now if Jimmy Garoppolo's under center and you're bringing in a rookie in, in, in Trey Lance. So you need these guys to stay healthy. You, you, you really do, because the depth that Cam Inman was talking about there, a lot of uncertainty. I thought Richie James was going to be that guy, but you know he's, he's completely different going into, uh, going into training camp. From the 415, instead of just getting vanilla and chocolate with Jimmy G, Kyle gets all 31 flavors in tray. Does it make me a bad person if I like vanilla ice cream? Does that make me a bad person? I'm seeing that comparison all the time. <laughs> like someone said yesterday during the morning roast, it's like going to Baskin Robbins and ordering vanilla instead of any of the other flavors. And that's what you're mentioning there from the 415. Kyle gets all 31 flavors in tray. And I'm sure you're thinking like, well, instead of the vanilla ice cream, you can get the gold medal ribbon. But you know what? I'm a fan of vanilla ice cream. Does that make me a bad person? <laughs> like, like I like it. Is that is that an issue? It's not my favorite. It's not the one that's going to be my go-to. But vanilla's still pretty damn good. I I don't know. That's just me personally. From the nine two five, how much run do you think Sermon will get? I'm seeing him getting drafted before, before Mostert in fantasy. Really? Wow. Interesting. You're seeing Sermon drafted before Mostert, the rookie. I mean, that's a interesting league. You who are you seeing? Where are you seeing that? Where are you seeing him getting drafted before Mostert? Look, I've se- I, I think Sermon can be a good running back. It just depends on the offensive line and how good they are in the run game because um, the center and uh, the right guard, they're, you know, you got Alex Mack there in the right guard. It's most likely going to be Daniel Brunskill, Lakin Tomlinson, Mike McGlinchey, and then Trent Williams. That could be a very good run-blocking offensive line. They actually weren't that bad at it last year. It was the, uh, it was the pass blocking that was the issue. And, you know, if you saw the Joey Bosa, Mike up thing with the Chargers joint practices against the 49ers. Uh, Joey Bosa was getting by Mike McGlinchey and giving him that work. But, you know, I think Sermon... He could get some run, but ultimately it's going to be Raheem Mostert who is the guy. I think Sermon's going to get in, you know, in third down situations, maybe be a pass catcher out of the backfield because, as we know, Kyle Shanahan likes to use not only Kyle Juszczyk as a receiver, but his running backs as a receiver as well. I mean, I don't know how many carries he's going to be getting per game. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, he's going to be easily getting 15, 15 totes a game. I'm not going to be saying that, but it all depends. All depends on the health of Mostert, but I think Mostert uh, is the number one guy right now, and, and, and that's it. Maybe people are just drafting him just because in the preseason all we've really seen is, uh, is, is Trey Sermon. But look, we'll see what happens in week three on Saturday. It's been a fun show overall. Talked about the Giants getting that 8 nothing win. They're back tonight. You got Johnny Cueto uh, going today. and um, yeah. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.